Ladies and gentlemen, you have once again tuned in to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. You all know who I am, so there's no need for me to introduce myself, but I will take the time to introduce Brooklyn's finest and a constant guest on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mark freaking Braverman. Mark, welcome back. It has been too long. It's been far too long, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> excuse me. It's always damn allergies. It's always Never an honor. Does. Yes, it does. It's always an honor to come onto the show with you. Unfortunately, though, it's one of those times where we have to do a sad topic, and I hate when we got to do these kind of things. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And the sad part is, I mean, this was in consecutive days. Everybody knows the previous episode I did on the one and only Terry Funk. But the next day, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend. Dude, I was bawling, man. My eyes out. 36 years old. He was too damn young, man. Too damn it, young. Actually, I think he was about, I think he was about 36 or 38, one or the other. He, but, was, he uh, was 36 years old. He was 36 I, years old. And, you know, what, what, hurt, what even hurts even more is that he's a father. I mean, he's got two children. He's actually got a total of four, yeah, from a previous relationship, yeah. He's a a father of four, I know. But you know what the biggest twist of the whole situation, Mark? Because the day Bray Wyatt died, guess whose birthday it was? Uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, wow. And we're going to get to that because I've got something to say about it because how many times have you, me, and our buddy Ricky who I really wanted to get on this show, but unfortunately he was unavailable today. How many times have all three of us discussed and how frustrated we were because of how misused and poorly booked Bray Wyatt had been over the years? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of us have discussed that not only in private, but on the show that, uh, that Bray Wyatt has been misused. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on record this. I was really not a major fan of the guy. But I did respect his work. I, well, n- now we know why you weren't a fan, because they did not book him properly. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had phenomenal mic skills. We're talking about a guy who beat, who not only beat John Cena, but beat John Cena in a cage. His, ta- his, his, his organization, the Wyatt family, beat the Shield. Twice. Twice, correct. He helped Alexa Bliss's career when it was stuck. When it was when when Alexa Bliss's career was stuck, she had nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. He made how many stars did he make out of the Wyatt family? I mean, he's reunited with his brother up in heaven, Mr. Brody Lee. And you know something? When I did that episode to paying tribute to Brody Lee on the anniversary of his death, I mean. You saw this episode, I mean, because you called me directly because in that episode, I sounded emotional and frustrated because yeah. much like Bray Wyatt, Brody Lee, or as Luke Harper, as he was in WWE, had they only just made things correctly, they would have made megastars out of the guys, money would have been made, careers would have been solidified, a lot of things would have been done, but Vince just could not, I mean, I don't know if I should say could not do it or just simply did not want to. Now, I understand Vince can't and won't please everybody, but with Bray Wyatt, seriously, as you mentioned, great mic mic skills, unique and tremendous wrestling ability, great charisma, everything he needed, Vince just did not want to do it. I mean, you talk about a guy who was, what, 320, 325, and can do do a full bridge and actually walk backwards in the spider position, or the bridge position, as I call it. That's just freaky. I mean, Bray Wyatt did a lot of things, but we we knew him before he was Bray Wyatt. I mean, we knew him in 2010 and 2011 when he was part of the of the Nexus. Back then, he was known as Husky Harris. I mean, you talk about a guy who can bridge and walk backwards on his hands. It's nuts. It is. But as I just mentioned, we remember his days with the Nexus back in 2010. I mean, when he was um yeah when when he was with the NXT as well. I mean. He was at NXT before well, it was NXT. It was still Florida Championship Wrestling. I mean, the dude was around forever. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 he had an amazing career path into a very short time. 
He he did. And, and that's that's the tragedy of this is that I can only imagine what would have happened if his if his career would have been what we were all hoping for a very long championship career main eventer. I can only imagine. And to get back to your point about Vince, the problem here is that I don't know if Vince was convinced that he was ready to maybe take the Undertaker spot, which was always a possibility for him, or if maybe Vince thought that he just wasn't ready for the main event, which you and I completely disagree with. And I think a lot of wrestling fans out uh, as well out there do too. But look at the look at the list of opponents that the man has beaten. Now, you and I are not in the WWE locker room, unfortunately. I haven't had a friend in the locker room for a very long time. But I don't get into Vince's head. I don't even attempt to do that. <laughs> and it's, any- it's, it's, it's impossible. The U.S. government tried to. It didn't work. Everybody that tried to fight Vince in the 90s, whatever, they all tried it. You, you, just, don't, you just cannot beat Vincent K. McMahon. Except if you're Shawn Michaels. <laughs> WrestleMania 22, and of course, if you're Jesse the Body Ventura, except if you're Sean, or except if you're Triple H, which is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> well, in the locker room, a lot of things that, that that they wanted to do that Vince said no, eventually did he had done, and I think that Bray Wyatt was was also one of those who Vince might have said, "All right, we're not going to do this," and Bray did it the did it anyway because he knew it, it, it would make him money, make him famous, which he absolutely did. I mean, think about. Think about the impact that this man has had. Jericho's overseas right now with his band Fozzie. In the, I think it was before in the middle of the concert, he stopped and to announce that Bray Wyatt has died. Yeah, he paid tribute to Bray, yeah. The entire arena starts singing. He has the whole world in his hands. The, we go to SmackDown on Friday last night. The entire crowd starts singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. All the all what they call fireflies or the, or the flashlights on your phones went up. This man had an impact that very few people have ever had on this business. Mm-hmm. Very few get to where he was. Very few, and that's and that says a lot. And for him to shut down his career so early because I guess we thought that the guy was a little bit out of shape. Or maybe he had an argument with them backstage. I don't know. But I do know this. The man had a wonderful, wonderful impact. And I dare say, and as much as I'm to like Mike Rotunda, IRS, I think Bray Wyatt did more in his career than IRS ever did. Well, you know, you might say IRS could have done more. But, yeah, you know, yeah, and a lot of people don't know, yeah, Bray Wyatt is the son of Michael Rotunda, who, of course, we know is Erwin R. Seister, otherwise known as IRS. And, of course, he's the older brother of Bo Dallas. Whose career also was completely killed, unfortunately. And I always did like Bo Dallas. I always thought that he was an amazing wrestler. And look at his his family tree. You're talking about Blackjack Mulligan, two-time World Tag Team Champion, the famous Blackjacks. His... His uncle is his uncle was a heavyweight champion and a member of the Four Horsemen, Barry Windham. So wrestling was very deep in this guy's blood and this guy's did this guy's family tree. You know he was going to become a pro wrestler. Damn right, man. Damn right. And you look at you know, much like you right now. I, I, I'm trying to fight back with tears, you man. I mean, look at the guy's family. Yeah. Look at, I mean, look at it. Wrestling is his life. That's why he decided, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a wrestler. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, look at Philly Street. You talk about a member of the Four Horsemen, the most elite group in the history of wrestling. The Blackjacks, one of the most yeah. tag teams of all time in pro wrestling. His father was a member of the Million Dollar Corporation, two or three-time World Tag Team Champion. Bray Wyatt, two-time Heavyweight Champion. So you're talking about a family tree that has seen more titles than 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 than, than, than a lot of families. So it's amazing that the man that, that he had such a wonderful career. Yeah. And I think people look back on it, they'll go, "Wow, the Firefly match, which was incredible. That, what is it? The 
The Firefly match, I think they had something like that, which was an incredible match. Beat John Cena in a cage match. Twice, he beat The Shield in a tag match. Yeah. That, with, yeah. And my favorite moment with Bray Wyatt involves The Undertaker. In 2015. It was, it was on Monday Night Raw. Taker's about to choke slam somebody. He throws him to Bray Wyatt. Wyatt hits Sister Abigail. I don't know what the hell Undertaker whispered to Bray Wyatt's ear, but all I know is Bray Wyatt had this look on his face like that was the most incredible thing of my life, and Taker walks out of the ring. The man on the locker room for 30 years gave him that spotlight. Yeah, 100%. And, of course, you know, when the Wyatts first appeared on, on WWE regular programming, I mean, the first major feud, I mean, again, you had the Shield and everything, and then that feud with John Cena, WrestleMania 30, which the match I felt was the, the match was you might you might hate me for saying this. I don't think the match itself was bad. The match was good. Everybody always argues that Bray should have won. It's an argue. Okay, I don't know if I want to say that John Cena beating Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 30 was bad, the, because the match itself was good. So Bray did have Bray did have positive moments in the match. He didn't win, but. But but you know, the bottom line is again you know it, it's just the poor booking over the years because I've I've got these thoughts right here which we'll get to but you know everything you mentioned because you know we mentioned the beginning of the Wyatt family and then yeah. when when he did the thing where he set both Eric Rowan and and Luke Harper he set them free I'll never forget that that's in the fall of, that was in the fall of 2014 mm-hmm. then he became the new face of fear and had that feud with the Undertaker. That was the best feud of the year. It was, and then, of course, the Wyatt family returned. I'll never forget that moment with The Rock at WrestleMania 32. 32, so, yeah. Yeah. Six-second match. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and, uh, and you know that, that feud with uh, with Dean Ambrose, who, of course, we know is John Moxley, uh, was pretty good. But, you know, you, you mentioned Ambrose, and another guy that was poorly booked over the years, so... So when they finally put the belt on, on Bray, which was in, in 2017, now before that point, they put him in the picture several times, but when he won the, I mean, and I'll never forget, I mean, Randy Orton, part of the Wyatt family, something that I never fully understood, because I never just thought as Randy Orton as a guy that could fit in the Wyatt family, but. I don't, I, I don't think he would have fit either, but there was a question about Brian Danielson being in the Wyatt family. Yeah, that was briefly. Yeah, it was. That was like in like that, that, that. I think that was that. I think that ended around the Royal Rumble of 2014 as well. But I don't know if they needed to be there either. But he tried to build up his brand, and he built the hell of a team. He really did. He he did, and and when he won the title, he when he won it at the Elimination Chamber, and then only to lose it to Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33. Uh, you, you see, I think, I mean, to me, it's not only bad for Bray, but I, I would imagine this had to affect Orton, too. But at the end of the day, if Randy Orton simply, if, if he was doing what Vince told him to, then you can't hate on Randy. I mean, Randy was only doing his job, so. But, and, yeah. we, and we mentioned some of the accomplishments uh, right, right there as well, you know, like, from the Wrestling Observer, 2017, you know, he, he, the worst feud of the year was with Randy Orton. I mean, four times he, he was involved in the, in the worst feud of the year. In 2017 against Randy Orton. 2019 versus Seth Rollins. 2020 yep. with Braun Strowman. And finally, 2021 with Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton again. You know, the funny thing is, is that the wrestlers don't, the wrestlers don't have a choice who they feud with. That's completely up to the, up to Vince. And it's not like back in the day where they went into the ring and they used to go, well, I'm going to kick your butt and I hate this guy and what have you. The problem is not everything is scripted. That's the problem. And, and The Fiend was – check this out. The, the Fiend was, was voted the worst gimmick in 2020. Absolutely it was a horrible gimmick for him. Because, because of the booking. It could have oh, – you, you, you remember 2019, the feud with The Fiend versus Seth Rollins? You, 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 when I talk about both guys being affected, that both of them were affected. Seth Rollins and The Fiend were affected by it. You remember uh, the Hell in a Cell match? One of the worst. 
Ricky, our friend Ricky, he told me a story about this, how you called him, that you were so legitimately pissed off about it that you felt that you had to talk to Ricky just to calm yourself down. You see, you see, folks, some people say, why be so upset? It's just wrestling. Like, look, when you love pro wrestling the way we do, and when we're when you speak to educated fans like us, okay, and when we see something that we know is stupid and it affects not only the talent, but the art and the company itself, you damn right we're gonna be upset about it. I mean, Seth Rollins even admitted that he was so mad he wanted to confront Vince, and I'm not gonna I mean he, he did say what he wanted to do, but I'm not gonna say it on here because it's uh well, we know, but Seth Rollins was extremely mad because that Hell in a Cell match, the finish was just so piss poor. I mean, it ended on referee stoppage. A Hell in a Cell match that ends like this? I, what the hell was that? I've seen every Hell in a Cell match ever made. I know you have. Uh, I've he's, not, seen... he's not kidding, y'all. Mark has. And not only have you seen every Hell in a Cell match, you've seen them at least once. Uh, I would say at least, at least 10 times, honestly. Okay, I've seen them all. Yeah. I've seen the best of them and the worst of them. Yeah. I like the shirt, by the way. I love it. Thank you. So That's, that's me, what I am. I'm a heel, y'all. Yes. I was looking forward to Wyatt on one side and Seth Rollins on the other. Two incredibly talented wrestlers on the pay-per-view. I couldn't wait. Then we got to the match. And I'm watching the match, and I'm thinking, what the hell are we doing, guys? You're acting like this is a throwaway. See, I've never heard of a referee stopping a cage match. Never. Well, hell on a cell, but... No, never. Never, ever. I mean, we're talking about mankind going over the top of... Through through the... uh, Over the top of the cell, but... Undertaker, they didn't stop that one. Batista, Triple H killing each other, they didn't stop that one. The fi- the Triple H mankind, the fire incident, they didn't stop that one. Chris Jericho versus Triple H in 2002, they didn't stop that one, and that one was really bloody. What about the one in 2004, HBK versus Triple H at Bad Blood? Amazing match. Didn't stop it, but you stopped this one. I mean, I was just furious. I was so mad. I wanted to call Vince and tell him off. I don't have Vince's phone number, obviously, but I mean. And and mind you, everybody, this was before uh, Mark and I knew each other. This this is in 2019, but before the world the world went to complete shit. Correct. Which I which I really don't want to get to because it's just frustrating and it's it's frustrating enough. Cost problems. And I was home, actually. I wasn't even at Matt's house for this one. I was home. The match ended. I called Ricky, and I had to go to work the next day when I, when I was still working. And I said, Rick, what the hell was that? Rick goes, you think you're mad? I'm going to put my fist through the wall. I mean, like I said, Ricky told me the story. Ricky told me the story. I would imagine, uh, I would imagine your, your wife would confirm the story as well. Oh, yeah, she was. She was, was she, let me ask you this. Was she upset too? She didn't. She didn't watch the match with me. She, she's not into as much into wrestling as we are. Yeah. So she really didn't watch the match. But she understood. But then said, "What's wrong?" And I told the story. She goes, "That doesn't make any sense." I went, "I know." <laughs> I mean, you talk, you're preaching to the choir. So. I mean, because eventually the Fiend and the Raw, the Fiend won the title. They did it. What was it? A false count anywhere match. It was at the Super Show in Saudi Arabia, but still. Yes. I think honestly, putting the Fiend and Rollins in together because both guys were on fire. First of all, I think Seth Rollins dropping the belt twice in 2019, first to Brock Lesnar and then to the Fiend. I think that was a complete derailing moment. Yes. The Fiend and Rollins were both great, but I just don't think placing them in the rivalry, rivalry was the right thing to do. It could have been done eventually, but I think it was just thrust in too early. If Rollins had lost the belt as a babyface to the Fiend at the right time, I think things would have been fine. But I just think the timing was done horrible. I agree. And I'll be honest, as we get to the part of the Fiend, I mean, the Fiend itself, changing the Bray Wyatt character to the Fiend, I thought that was like, okay, 
if they're trying something new and if they're serious about it, then fine, I'll go with it. Because you see The Fiend, and then you have Bray Wyatt have the uh, that thing he had, like the, the the Mr. Rogers kind of thing with the puppets, uh, the fire, what was it called, the, the Firefly uh, Funhouse or whatever it's called. I hated that. Yeah, like the the, car, the 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 children's TV show kind of thing. So you see an alter ego between this and then the fiend. So I was like, okay, this is actually a little bit of multiple personality disorder, you know, kind of thing. So I kind of get it. Bray Wyatt has this one particular, how do you say, like this alter ego and the other. It, it's kind of like Mick Foley and Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude, Love it. It, it. it was something you could probably say it kind of reminded us of that, but but. but but, you know, I, I think that the pandemic ruins a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't want to get into that because I'm just – every time somebody asks me what are my thoughts on the whole situation, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it because it was pathetic. Because it, 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 it ruined too many lives. It caused everybody enough problems, and a lot of us are still recovering from it. But yep. I, I can't tell you just how badly wrestling was affected, but – but, but going back to the Fiend at first, I mean, again, when they first started it, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was the Firefly Funhouse. I was like, let's at least give it a shot. But, but eventually, I, I, it just, I don't know. I, I To be honest yeah, I'm, with I'm trying not to get angry right now because, again, everything Bray Wyatt had to offer, WWE just could not, they, they just did not give him the, the damn ball and let him run with it. No, they didn't. And, Let's go back to the funhouse thing for a second. That's when Alexa Bliss got involved in in, in all this, and everybody knows that I haven't. I I I, I like Alexa Bliss. She's an outstanding wrestler. And she paid I, tribute to every wrestler that paid. Every wrestler that had to that oh. every wrestler that talked about it in the aftermath of the, of the death. It was hard to read. I mean, Alexa Bliss's message was was hard to read. Oh. Seth Rollins, all of them, man. That's I mean, much but I hated the Alexa Bliss character, honestly. And I thought it was gonna kill her career. I was wrong, it didn't, but I thought it was gonna kill I thought it was gonna kill her career. So she did the, the right thing. She walked away for a while. Then Bray Wyatt walked away for a while. They both came back stronger than ever. Sometimes when you have a bad storyline, you gotta do the right thing and then they just walk away. And I'm glad that they walked away. So I was not a fan of the Funhouse thing. I was never was. That was, I thought, was, as you said, his weakest character. I mean, we mentioned the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, I probably forgot to mention the crowd. We, okay. They were people, dead. Everybody, you thought I was mad? You thought Bravi was mad? You thought our friend Ricky was mad? The crowd that day was, was mad. They were dead. <laughs> the crowd was dead. They booed. They, they loudly booed. They just oh. negative chance. This is BS. This we want our money back. I remember, and during the whole match, the crowd was dead. Also, so you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mentioned you know everything that happened. You know, you you know after he he has the after after the fiend has the universal title. You know, I, I think basically, uh, the, and then in, in February of 2020, of course Goldberg returns and then challenges the fiend for the universal title. Mm-hmm. So of course Goldberg wins. I was like, oh, jeez. Well, then again, yeah, and and then he has that match, that that, that WrestleMania 36 match with John Cena. But of course, it was because of what happened. You know, the, the, yeah. it, it couldn't take place uh, at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. But, right. but but you know, everything just basically it, it just got worse and worse and worse. And then we skipped to WrestleMania 37 in Tampa, which I was there. He has that match with Orton, and I was like, yeah, that, that, that was the end of it. Because I've spoken about this many times. The Fiend basically dominates the match. Alexa Bliss rises from that jack-in-the-box. I'm sure you remember it. She's yeah. got that black liquid just pouring out of her. The Fiend's distracted. Orton gets up, one RKO, and it's over. And, and then the Fiend and Alexa Bliss have a stare-down for like 10 seconds, and then they're gone. Then they're gone. Well, you forgot about the match with the... If we got about the one he had with the Undertaker, which was a phenomenal match. Yeah, I mean you're talking about two guys who are masters of mind games. That match was oh my! That match was incredible. Yeah, well, you you mentioned the passing the passing of the torch moment, didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. But that was on Raw. But their match, I think it was at WrestleMania, was incredible. Yeah, this was actually at the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Hmm. It was in a segment involving involving LA Knight. So, yeah. Yeah. But their matches their matches were 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 were, were very entertaining when Taker fought. They were. Bray I mean, Wyatt. We had so. to kind of go through a little a little bit of a uh, through a time machine of uh, of Bray of Bray's career, but it's unfortunate that there was despite all the negatives, Bray Wyatt was still was really he was still over with the fans. At least the fans still loved him because they knew that that the that the booking committee that WWE created was just not getting it right. Because we all knew that if they if they had, well, let me say it like this: no matter how badly they were booking him, Bray was still trying to make something good out of it, and we saw it. Yeah. That's why that no matter what, the fans never lost their touch with Bray Wyatt. That's no. why we never stopped believing in him because he was still trying to make it good. And I have living proof of this. Yeah, and he didn't have to. He didn't have to tell us. Look, I'm trying my best. We knew he was, man. We were with him. Like, we know they're not doing it properly. We know it's not your fault, buddy. I was at a house show with him here in New York. What year was that? Uh, before the pandemic, so. So, I have, so, so 2019, 2018? 18, 2019. Okay. The lights go out. And mind you, it's about three quarters full. It's not, it's not a full sell-off for some reason. Well, it's a house show, right? Every... Single cell phone goes on. It was like an Undertaker's entrance. It was just that amazing. It was. He, he yeah, comes out. Imagine. The place goes nuts. It's electric. You can feel. You can feel a badass is coming out, and it's Bray Wyatt. And I was like, he he got him. He captured the audience right here in the palm of his head, and very few men. Have been able to do it with only one with only one entrance. Sean, Triple H, Taker, Bray Wyatt are all on the list. And when you can capture Madison Square Garden like that, the most famous, the, the mecca of of arenas, you know, you have you you have accomplished everything you wanted to do in this business. And you know what's interesting I, is. It wasn't the first time he had done it. He had. It was just a moment. Bray, you did it again, but you only just did it better this time. You outdid yourself this time. The moment that he started in, in on Raw in 2013, he was able to get people with the entrances. He but he he only did it better each time. He only did it better and better and better and better and better and better. And when you do it in Madison Square Garden, like The Undertaker. Like Sean, like Bret Hart, like Triple H, you have made it to the very top of the Massive WWE. Pop. Massive pop. Oh, the building was shaking, bro. And he was the heel. And he was the heel. And he was the, the heel. building was shaking. They come out, they're all screaming. They're all screaming. They got the lights going and everything like that. He's got this big smile on his face. Throwing. I gotcha. <laughs> and I can uh, match going back, having that big smile on his face, and Vince must have been like, "Oh no, the fans picked him." <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure Triple H in the back loved it. I'm sure Steph loved it. I'm sure, I'm sure his father loved it. His brother must have loved it. So. I mean, you're talking about the garden here. The place where the Knicks and the Rangers play. I mean, the mecca of wrestling is Madison Square Garden. First WrestleMania. I mean, guys, when Vince's father, Vince McMahon Sr., back when wrestling was territorial, the back then it was the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. It was the territory of the New York, New Jersey area, as well as the surrounding New England area. Madison Square Garden was but ba- was basically Vince McMahon Senior's. It was it was that particular f- spot. Madison Square Garden was basically the capital of pro wrestling back then. But yeah, we got territories everywhere. Yeah, of course, down here in Texas, we had the Dallas Fort Worth territory, which was Fritz von Erich's World Championship Wrestling, and of course, Terry Funk's father had the had that one up up in Amarillo, where they, they did shows in West Texas. Of course, the AWA in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
the San Francisco territory. I mean, of course, the Atlantic Coast, which was Jim Carkett Promotions. I mean, but the Mecca has always been Madison Square. Madison Garden. Square Garden, yeah. And when you get, it the, always will be. When you get the face like the Undertakers, like Bret Hart's, Stone Cold's, when you get that ovation, that kind of ovation, you have done yourself. Big time. And, and you know what, Mark? I've done yourself. Nobody will ever, ever forget it. And I will tell you this. This will be talked uh, Everything Bray Wyatt's done, like everything you just said, not only will this be talked about 10 years from now, it's going to be talked about 50 years from now, yes. 100 years from now. Yes. 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now, it's going to be talked about for all eternity because Bray Wyatt, again, had us in the palm of his hands the moment he arrived. He kept doing it, and he just got better and better and better. Yes, sir. And, and, and again, I feel bad that everything we talked about from his career was from negatives because people say, why, why be so negative? I'm like, well, if we're paying tribute to Bray Wyatt, we're going to point out these moments that WWE got wrong, but I'm expressing my support. WWE, you should have done better. And I'll tell you this. Okay, I'm probably not going to be the biggest schmuck. You you, you remember the <laughs> program he did with uh, with Broken Matt Hardy, who, of course, was Woken Matt Hardy in WWE. You remember the Ultimate Deletion match? Yeah, I, hate, I, I hated the Broken Matt Hardy character, by the way. Well, you see, that's actually one of the – actually, well, okay, the one in WWE I did not like, but I'm sure outside WWE it, would, it, it was done better, but – I did like the ultimate deletion match between Bray Wyatt and, and Woken Matt Hardy. The end of it made me laugh so hard because how Bray is pushed into the lake of reincarnation and is gone. I felt that in storyline that Bray Wyatt was, was to undergo another massive character change with something completely different. Like, because you know how in the Broken Matt Hardy story, you know what the lake of reincarnation is? I don't remember it, honestly. <laughs> well... I mean, well, it, it, it's it, it's funny, but it, it's a little hard to explain. But 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 basically, um, after that, he kind of became known as the the, the leader of worlds. But uh, I kind of felt like because he was thrown into the lake of reincarnation, and, and this is thing like like when when Matt Hardy did that Stampede match with AEW in 2020 when he was still the broken character, there was a spot in the match where he's dunked into a pool, which is like the same water from that lake. All of a sudden, he pops up as the 1990s Matt Hardy. Of course, the Team Extreme. He gets dunked back into the water. He comes back as the as the version one. So, and then back in the water, and then another Matt Hardy. So, so I felt that once they put once Bray Wyatt fell, I thought this was going to be start of a new gimmick. Like I'll never forget, I teased the idea. Could you imagine if Bray Wyatt came back as a in a gimmick similar to his dad as as an IRS tax collector? <laughs> And then he announces that Bray Wyatt has been put away for years and years and years of unpaid taxes. Pay <laughs> <laughs> your taxes. Yeah. Now I do want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about. I mean, uh, about it because you know, right now, honestly, well, speaking of his dad, I mean, when Triple H announced the death of Bray, he said on Twitter, which is now known as X, but you know what? We're always it's we're always it's always going to be Twitter, but. He announced that it was his dad who told him, who informed him, uh, informed him of his death. So, man, I I found out on I found out on 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 Facebook actually. Yeah, because it started out on Twitter, but but then of course it it, it goes, it it just basically gets spread. I mean, it's spread like wildfire. So of course, it eventually, it finds its way on Facebook. So, well, I was one of the first to know to, to know about Terry Funk. Yeah, I mean, of course, Terry Funk, um, I mean, I, I did that episode already. I, I strongly recommend that everybody checks it out. But right I, now, I'm thinking, you know, what, what does this mean for, for Bray's younger brother, uh, Taylor, who, of course, we, we knew as Bo Dallas. I mean, we haven't seen the guy in years. Well, Taylor left the company years ago. You know that by now. Because they, didn't, they really didn't do anything with him, unfortunately. So I don't know what he's going to do. Does he join AEW? Does he... No longer wrestle as he come back to a big ovation. Who the hell knows? Uh, I mean, if he, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know. Looks like the evil wants to creep behind you again. I think. Oh well, he, well, he excels at it, but. Uh, gotcha. But you know, at first, the the cause of death was not a was not immediately released, but one particular source said that you know WWE gave him permission to actually tell us about it and. The cause, the, the cause of death really caught me by surprise because, well, I should mention, okay, 
he had been out of action. Bray had been out of out of action since February of this year after he had concluded a a, a feud with L.A. Knight. He was actually starting a program with Bobby Lashley, which was to culminate at WrestleMania. Yeah. But those plans were scrapped because Bray came down with, with well, at first they said it was an injury, and then it turned out to be an illness, which was considered not only career-threatening, but life-threatening as well. And, of course, it turned out to be the worldwide bastard. It, yeah, and, well, he came down with it, but the particular illness, I say, eventually came out to, like, some sort of heart condition because he died of a heart attack. Yes, he did. And, so, uh, so. and the interesting, and, and what's interesting is it was reported that recently he had been making positive progress towards recovering, and he, he was on his way back. Like, he was almost going to be cleared to return to wrestling. So. Unfortunately for all of us, it's, it's a very bad ending for him. But it, it, it really is, man. No carrying for but big. I know you mentioned Terry Funk earlier on. Remember this one? ECW barely legal. This is the original barely legal. Now it's a copy. It's not the original one, obviously, because the original one's out of print. Do you remember? Do you, do you remember the main event of this particular show? I do not. It was a three-way dance. Terry Funk was involved in it with the heavyweight champion at the time, Raven. And Stevie Richards, where the winner would go on. Winner would go on to wrestle, ready for the title. There's three guys in it. Terry Funk won the, won the three elimination match, and then moments later, he goes to wrestle Raven. This was the night that Terry Funk won the ECW title. I'm sure I, I'm sure I talked about it on the show as well, but... The very first barely legal pay-per-view. And yeah, I have it. Yeah. So, so yeah, according to this, yeah, he, he were originally, he, he had COVID... But it basically went up to a, a hard condition, and we all know how it, how it happened. So everybody, like all of the, all of his peers, you know, man, paying tribute to him. I mean, even at AEW and Impact Wrestling as well. You know, on SmackDown, you know, Eric, you know, Eric Rowan would uh, actually appear because because you know, like, you know, Eric Rowan, you know, a huge part of it as well. So you sure. know, Braun Strowman as well. So basically, I mean. The, the tribute, I mean, again, I mean, the tribute had to have been hard to watch, but... That scene with the chair. Yeah. With Saturday's rocking chair there with the spotlight. That had to be very difficult for everybody in the locker room. It had to be difficult for everybody that watched, dude. And to stand at that stage and watch it, knowing that this guy was, was our friend, must have been nearly impossible. And I like the fact that even the heels were wearing the armbands. If you looked at, if you watch the damage control match, all three of them, Terry Funk, Bray Wyatt, all of them were in the armbands. Rey Mysterio had it during his match. LA Knight had it. So, Cody Rhodes, I thought, did a wonderful, did an amazing tribute to, uh, to Terry. Then they had all the everybody's Twitters out about about Bray Wyatt, Bailey's, Oscars, uh, anybody down the line. So it was a wonderful, wonderful tribute. And if you have to catch my Facebook page this morning, I I was very shocked at how many people were very upset about the tribute show. For what? What bothered you? I don't understand this. Two men lost their lives in less than twenty in less than twenty four hours of each other. Two of the most talented wrestlers in the world, and I think Triple H, Stephanie, Vince, to their credit, and all the professional wrestlers, to their credit, did exactly what they were supposed to do. They went out there. They they had the the the, the, the bell. They had his chair. They had both their pictures up there. Michael Cole opened the show by saying that we lost two, two amazing wrestlers, which was very true. All the wrestlers were in tears. What Even the tribal you... chief. Even the tribal chief. Yeah. So what did you... I mean, he, he, yes, they are professional athletes. Yes, they are performers. But they're also human beings. Mm-hmm. 
and they make friends over the years. Yeah, because they all work together. You're right. The wrestling world is a very tight-knit group. They travel together. I mean, yeah. Yep. And They're like many, family. They're like family. So it, it, it makes me angry when, when I hear people tell me on Facebook or they text me, I didn't like the tribute show. Well, what didn't you like? Did, you didn't like the, the, that they performed? They're going to perform. I mean, if you didn't like it, honestly, my advice to you is just keep that to yourself. Right. And to me, and okay, now, I, I shouldn't be talking because I spent a lot of time harshly criticizing WWE Creative for not not booking Bray Wyatt properly. So maybe I shouldn't be talking. Maybe I'm just a hypocrite right now. But no, you. But at the end of the day, I'm just exp- I'm expressing my love and support for the guy who passed away. We're doing here is fine, but to say the tribute show was terrible, that's wrong. Okay, we've all we we both were all the negatives about what they did to his career. What I'm yeah. saying is that there was more than just being a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And to say the tribute show was terrible was wrong. And I understand, yes, okay, the timing was off in all the matches. But what did you expect to happen? I mean, it happened out of nowhere. It's not like WWE knew it was going to happen. It was like with the Owen Hart. It's like when when Eddie and Owen died. The next day, yes, everybody's timing was off because. Yeah. They were generally upset. Yeah. It wasn't like this was, oh, okay, well, they're doing a thing where we're, we're wrestling bad. No, this is as real as it comes, ladies and gentlemen. So to say that the tribute show was terrible was is horrible. Mm-hmm. And yes, their timing was off. Okay. Okay, what did you expect? Well, Perfect. Yeah. I mean, as, as our friend Buddy, would, uh, as our buddy uh, Ricky would say, as far as people saying it was a bad show, he would, he would probably say, well, in opinions like, you know what, everybody's got one, but. Wait, what? But, man, you know, honestly, right now, I mean, the fact that every time when I think that, you know, two years ago, we lost, you know, we lost Jonathan Huber, who, of course, we know was Brody Lee. Well, of course, he was Luke Harper in WWE. What what really, I think, you know, when I did that episode on Brody Lee, I mean, I think the sad and heartbreaking part is it's not so much that WWE could have done better with him. What really hurts me is that Brody Lee, during his time in AEW, never had the chance to perform in front of a live, packed audience. But you know what? He still made an impact. And if there had been an audience there, he would he would have done great. Because you know what? People were tuning into AEW programming because he was there. He still did. He, he was still... Amazing. <laughs> because, you know, I think for me, you know, and I mentioned that how ironic it is that Bray Wyatt's death came on Vince's birthday because Bray Wyatt, you know, Brody Lee, much like Bray Wyatt, had they just let him give him the ball and let him run with it, we would have seen amazing results. Yes, I agree with you. But you know what? Yeah. I mean, I get it. Vince is can't and will not please everybody, but... No. I just don't understand how they just could not, how they were unconvinced with Bray Wyatt. Two reasons. First of all, every member of the Wyatt family has had an impact on on the sport that we call pro wrestling. Every single member, whether they're in for whether they're in for a long time or they're in for a short time, every one of them, every one has had has had an impact. Okay. Everyone has had has had has had some sort of title, not necessarily the heavyweight title. But every one of them has worn has worn gold. Yeah. Not now, as you as as what happened for Ryan. It could be that he wasn't that he wasn't as muscular as John Cena. It could be that he wasn't as as, as athletic as some of the other guys in the ring. However, Vince was wrong with that. I don't completely agree with you on that one, because anytime you can capture the whole world right here, and you're a pro wrestler, and here you and yeah, and your heart and your mind. When you're in the ring, Eddie Guerrero wasn't the biggest guy in the world either. Neither is right. Undertaker's not the most athletic guy, not the most athletic guy in the world. Bret Hart wasn't the biggest guy in the world. Ric Flair, not even close. But all of them had the pattern right here. Mm-hmm. And in here, Vince blew it with Bray Wyatt out. Always say that because anytime you go to places like Texas, 
New York, California, England, uh, England, Japan, the, the bigger countries that do pro wrestling, Canada is on the list. And you can capture the audience like he did. I know we sold out three quarters after it. Who the hell knows? Anytime you can do that and you have the audience right here, you have done your job. Let me just say it like this. Bray Wyatt literally had the whole world in his hands. Yes. And one more thing, you know, we mentioned Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan, much like Bray, much like Brody, a guy that could have done well. Well, I I think Rowan was probably about to get a singles push. You you remember, like, before the pandemic started, how he had that push where he was carrying that mysterious cage? You, You remember that? Yes. I think he, he was probably at first. I think they were planning to finally give him a push, but of course the pa- the pandemic happened, and then he loses to Drew McIntyre, and we never see him again. And then, then that spider, it, it turned out to be a spider that he was carrying in the cage, which I didn't. I, I didn't. I actually did a specific episode, and as, as we close it out, I'll make this quick. I did do an episode about Eric Rona and his pet spider because I kind of thought, well. <laughs> Obviously, okay. We all knew the spider. We all knew the spider wasn't real. I mean, it's not something you would you would find at, at Party City or any other Halloween store. I'm, I'm sure Vince had somebody build it because you know Vince has all the connections. But I did feel that the I just didn't feel like a spider. I mean, some people would say like if I had a wrestling character that me I would carry probably a, 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 a scary creature with me. But I felt like see Eric Rowan said in an interview that it, it was supposed to be a rodent, but they just decided that it was a spider. But but the point is, I mean, Rowan was probably because he was he was basically squashing various you know enhancement talent over the weeks. He, he was dominant, so I felt sure that he was on his way to getting a push, but well, it, it didn't happen. But then again, I mean, all of a sudden the world the world just completely yeah. shut down. So and 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 then uh, and then he was then he was released along with numerous other wrestlers. So like we said time and time again, sometimes Vincent's not know what he has. But first of all, the creature character would be the evil kitty number one. Let's be <laughs> well, I think for me, it, it, it probably just wouldn't be a cat. It would probably be like some sort of demonic mutated cat. Like so, so it, it would just be a normal cat. Well, we could paint. You know, we could paint the evil kitty like that. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> and I, mean, me, I, I, I don't know. Me probably. I, 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 I just felt it, it's just when Rowan pulled out the spider, and then and then everybody got scared, and he's like laughing. He's like smiling. Okay, I'll put it- <laughs> and then he's like giggling. And then he kind of like he puts it back, and he's like careful. He's like, <laughs> he's like he really made it look like it, he, it. I don't know how he did it, but he made it look like it, it crawled back in. Now clearly, he pushed it slowly. Now, now people, some people thought it was like okay. First of all, he pulls out a real spider. It, it, if it was a real, you really think it, it was gonna let it was gonna let itself lay on his hand the whole time without biting him at least? All right. First of all, we're talking to a guy who's absolutely scared of spiders. And I'm scared of snakes. Me, uh, yeah, me. I have a mad... I mean, I suffer from deep arachnophobia. So, I mean, when he pulled that thing out, I jumped. And I jumped on it. I almost hit the ceiling. And you can ask Tracy, and she'll tell you that I I nearly hit the ceiling. And I, 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 I believe you. I believe you. And I'll be honest with you. I called Ricky. I said, what the hell was that? He goes, calm down. Calm down. Calm. It wasn't real. It was a mecha- it was a mecha- it was a mechanical spider. It wasn't real, but yeah, I know it's mechanical, but still, I'm scared to death of snakes and spiders. So if I see a spider, I jump. Okay, um, remember Indiana Jones? Yeah, I know. Yeah, when all of a sudden, yeah, I know that that scared the hell out of me. Remember Harry Potter Part Two? Yeah, you remember, all right, you know what? I'll take it. You remember Jumanji with with the late great Robin Williams? Yeah, uh, that gave me nightmares. And, and you know what? That spider scene in Jumanji. And a pro wrestler gave us. Now, now I, I just I just briefly lost my mind because of my arachnophobia because that particular scene made me realize how much I suffer from arachnophobia. So that spider scene in Jumanji. <laughs> there you go. But think about it this way: we're two grown. Sorry, sorry guys, it, 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 it's just that particular scene. Just as a kid, brought up bad memories. So we were talking about two grown men here, fully adults, talking about how mechanical spider made us jump. When you do that. You've got, you've got, you've got impact. It, it, it scared me at first, but then after that, I thought it was kind of funny. 
It's, it's, it's just like I said, when Rowan said, in, Rowan said in an interview that the original plan, it was not supposed to be a spider. It was supposed to be a rodent or a rat or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt a rat probably would have made more sense. The rat maybe, but the spider, I think more people are scared of spiders than they are of rats, honestly. Pro- prob- probably. I, I, that, that's probably why they decided that it was better off to be a spider. So, people with, 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 even if it's a fake spider, if you can hook two people like we are, you know, 45 and, and, our, and your age... I'm 30. Well, there you go. And you talk about two fully grown adults who jump when a spider comes out. You've done your job. <laughs> no shit. So anyway, so my final saying is rest in peace, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend. I express my most sincere and deepest condolences to the man's family and his friends. I am forever grateful for everything that Bray did, not only for in the wrestling business, for the fans, everything he, every life that he touched. I'm grateful to his younger brother, Bo. I'm grateful for his father, IRS, even though he was always scolding everybody to pay their taxes. But you know what? <laughs> but, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> it, it was what it was. I'm grateful for the family. I mean, it, it, it has been a difficult. I mean, we lose Terry Funk. We lose Bray Wyatt, and then today we lost Bob Barker. It's not been a pleasant week. It's been a triangle of ter- it's been a triangle of a nightmare. I'm gonna yeah. say the Bray Wyatt, as the song goes, my friend, you had the whole world in your hand. And he's, you know what? He still does, and he always will. I feel bad for his father, IRS Mike Rotunda, his brother. I feel bad for his. For for his for his grandfather Blackjack, I feel bad for his uncle Barry Windham, a member of the Four Horsemen. Bar- Bray Wyatt is just one of those wrestlers who will be remembered for the rest of our lives and long after we're gone. Bray, thank you, thank you for the memories, thank you for the matches, thank you for scaring all of us, thank you for making us love wrestling, and may you rest in peace, sir. As we say in here, as we say in my religion, may I deny God your footsteps. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Ringside Chaos can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Please, please, please be sure you hit the notification bell as well as the subscribe button because I want to be sure that you will not be missing out on any exciting upcoming content. And one more thing. If you know somebody that loves professional wrestling and they are looking for the greatest pro wrestling podcast in the world, then this is the show for you, for them. So therefore, ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to not only subscribe and hit the notification bell, please share this show with your friends and your family and anybody that you know that loves professional wrestling. Mark, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to, for agreeing to be on this show. I could not have done this episode without you, my friend. Alex, thank you so much. And this, you know what the funny thing is? I mentioned this when I did my when I did my own personal Facebook blog at six o'clock in the morning. I said that I might talk to Alex about doing a show. And here we are. <laughs> well, here we are. Thank it's, you all very much again, ladies and gentlemen. Mark, you have a good night, my friend. You too. It's been my honor. Thank you so much.